I thought back to going to secondary school because I went to boarding house, going to secondary school for the first time and how scared we all were because every time the generators, last electricity went out and the backup generators were going to kick in, there was usually about three or four minute lag period between the electricity going out and the generators kicking in. And you see, girls were literally scared because boys will grow pale. They will come to you and touch inappropriate parts of your body that they had no business touching. There was no channel for us to report it in secondary school. There was no way you could say this was the person that touched me this was how they touched me i remember clearly we started growing our fingernails so that anytime anybody touched us we're able to at least use our nails to inflict some form of pain on them and to dig into their flesh before they were able to run away and no 10 year old girl no 11 year old girl should have to deal with that and for the boys it was a sport Hello and welcome back to the Overthinkers podcast. This is another beautiful episode of the Isolation Diaries. Even though I'm not sure exactly what isolation means right now. Because it almost feels like isolation is over. Because the rules around um, quarantine and staying at home have been relaxed and been reduced. And we are not exactly sure where everything is headed. But I'm still staying home because there's really no reason for me to be outside. Apart from when I'm going outside to get supplies. But we'll milk isolation diaries still whenever we have the opportunity to stop. So tonight's episode is going to be about something I have told with all week about whether or not I wanted to talk about and yeah I feel like I've organized my thoughts properly and I'm ready to kind of like share my opinion and lend my voice to this topic and to what is going on in the world right now. So I'm not going to talk about race because I feel like very raw and all over the place on that topic and I really can't get into it if I start talking about race and like tribalism and like all the other forms of social injustice that we have right now in the world. But what I really want to talk about today is, is what I've called rape culture. And what I've called it rape culture is because I feel it's something that societally and not just like in Nigeria or like anywhere like in Nigeria, Africa, is something that we've all kind of come to accept and we've really not done anything to address and we've not done anything to make steps towards how we are going to change it and how we are going to hold men and women and people accountable for sexual assault or sexual misconduct. The very first time that I realized that we have an issue is um, I sat down with my friends and that night we were about I think it was about a group of five or six of us and I don't know how the how our conversation spun into talking about sexual abuse and sexual sexual assault and any form of sexual misconduct conduct as it were and in a group of about six people every single one of us had a story it wasn't maybe full-blown as someone raping you even though we're in the world full-blown rape i think is wrong but it wasn't um rape or it was just some form of advance or some form of grouping of our bodies or a situation whereby we had been in contact with the opposite sex and we had just been grossly uncomfortable and it was stories ranging from people at the workplace from people on a bus commuting from one location to another to people just simply being in their homes as young children and i was i was i was shaking that night because for a very long time we didn't talk about these things in public we didn't talk we didn't have open conversations about these things and you almost feel like you're you you were alone and you were having an isolated experience and nobody else was having that that experience with you and nobody else was 
understood what it was that you were going through so that the conversation that night with my group of friends helped me to see that one i was seen and i was heard and i wasn't thinking these things up and they were real it wasn't fake and i wasn't the only one going through what it was that had happened to me or had happened to the next person that was sitting beside me because if you go into a room full of 20 women and you ask the 20 women has there ever been a point in time where you've been in contact with anybody that had made you feel sexually uncomfortable the answer is going to be yes and as a society i think that is very distressing and as the whole world comes together to band against these issues and to talk about it i think we are at the point whereby we as a society and we as the world need to do better and the more i thought about it the more i thought about all the things that led to where i am now and who i am today i thought back to going to secondary school because i went to boarding house going to secondary school for the first time and how scared we all were because every time the generators last electricity went out and the backup generators were going to kick in there was usually about three or four minute lag period between the electricity going out and the generators kicking in and you see girls were literally scared because boys will grow pale they will come to you and touch inappropriate parts of their bodies that they, your body that they had no business touching and that happened and there was no channel for us to report it in secondary school there was no way you could say this was the person that touched me this was how they touched me and something or a sanction will be held against against the person because as far as i'm concerned i don't think society cares enough to the point whereby they've created the proper escalation pathways so there was no escalation pathways for us i remember clearly we started growing our fingernails so that anytime anybody touched us we were ready to even if they would run away before lights came back on we were able to at least use our nails to inflict some form of pain on them and to dig into their flesh before they were able to run away and no 10 year old girl no 11 year old girl should have to deal with that and for the boys it was a spot it was something funny to laugh about and it was something funny to laugh about it was something funny for them to joke about but it wasn't fun to us it will never be fun to us and it has never been fun to us i thought again about university and i thought about my experience around going to the cafeteria and the university so i attended the university that served us lunch and dinner and breakfast and served us food basically and um meals were just between different certain blocks of time so you just all show up to the cafeteria and because we're a very large not really a large number but we were, we were a large gra- um, group of people we're quite a large group of people if you don't show up very early you may not get the best pickings of meals at the cafeteria so we always went we always had to go early but by the second week in my first year third week i can remember clearly that i was in my first year i stopped going to the cafeteria because when you go to the cafeteria boys will literally sandwich them shoe between them on the queue so we girls used to go to the cafeteria and kind of like queue up together to ensure that we were protected but these boys will in intentionally separate you from your friends and then sandwich you in between themselves on the queue and i'm like i don't need to feel dirty to eat my food so i just stopped going to the cafeteria and nobody did anything about it i was joking around today and i was saying that when i was 19 20 i was so bent on changing the world and i would sit on topics and i would think through them and i would think about what it was that i needed to do to change the world so one of my many pet projects that i had with two of my friends toby and me were in school was we decided that the student's handbook that was written didn't give a clear-cut direction as to how to navigate the university so we wanted to write the student's handbook from the point of view of 
students of of passing through Babcock, of experiencing our journey in Babcock, and basically writing a student handbook that a student could pick up and help them navigate the social life, help them navigate opportunities that were available to them in Babcock. So we started on the project, wrote the outline, we went to the student support unit, student support service. Those were the people in charge of like student affairs and student activities to talk to them about our idea. And one of the um, ladies that really gravitated towards what we wanted to do and she supported us we had two or three meetings with her but for one reason or the other she got seconded out of our school and the project never saw the light of day and one of the things that i i questioned her with when we had a meeting was we had this whole long orientation session when we first became students at the university and nobody thought it deemed it fit to write a policy around how women in the university or how ladies or how girls in the university were going to report cases of sexual harassment or sexual assault or any form of sexual discomfort that they had experienced because there was no policy this was a handbook that had back to back these were sessions that we had back to back and i wanted that process to kind of like address it and i wanted the university to kind of like address it but she got seconded out of the university and as great ideas come when you don't have enough fire they die and that died and it got me thinking about how when we were in university every lecturer that was ever accosted for maltreating women or for sexual misconduct it was always a setup the victims were always liars with the security on campus to set the lecturer up because there were no clear channels there were no clear escalation channels and there are still no clear escalation channels today you can have a sexual harassment policy which is skeletal but does not protect the victim in any way or does not even encourage the victim to stand up and speak up because when we are in, behind closed doors and when we are having these isolated conversations you realize that every single it's almost like every single woman has a point to talk about or has a point to make about a situation whereby they were sexually uncomfortable and i'm like if a university doesn't have a policy how is a university student supposed to escalate or report because look around at all the university lecturers that have been apprehended it wasn't until there was a documentary called sex for grids before these people were apprehended and we are not even sure if some of these lecturers were sanctioned if they were or if they were sacked from doing their jobs and I don't even still know if the univers the universities have still not come up with policies to encourage women on how to report or encourage women on how to be protected in an institution for learning. And then we go into the workplace. I know that many workplaces have sexual harassment policies, but they don't encourage the victim to come up and speak. And I believe that as a society, until we have policies until we have things in place that encourage women to speak up that it makes it that a woman is going to speak up and stigma is not going to be associated with her or she's not going to be stigmatized or segregated for say, speaking her truth we would fail as a society so on twitter many people are being called out many many people of prominence are being called out many hidden guys are being called out by multiple women complaining of different things that have been done to them but it's going to die there like I almost feel like by next week we're going to move on to the next topic and nothing really would have changed nothing really will be done to address the issue nothing really will be done to actually spark the change that needs to be sparked and I think a lot about like how there are many countries in the world whereby the statute of limitation expires on rape and it, 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 yeah there's a statute of there's a statute of limitation applied to to rape between when a victim reports the rape and when the rapist is apprehended and i think that is bullshit because the effect of sexual misconduct stays with the victim for life it never goes away it's it's, it's as far as i'm concerned it's a crime that is equivalent to killing a person because for every single time that a sexual misconduct is conducted it happens to a woman she 
a part of a part of her dies she's never the same she's not the same person she's more she's more um she's she's tougher she's harder she becomes a version of herself that she never imagined she's going to be so i believe that this is an insult for you to even have statute of limitation on rape because someone that rapes once is going to rape again someone that assaults once is going to assault again someone that has committed one sexual misconduct is going to commit multiple ones because they don't stop and and that's because they know there's no sanction that is going to be brought against them that's because you know a woman is going to rise up and speak and eventually someone stupid is going to say it's because of the dress she was wearing or it's because of the place that she went to i as a woman i don't feel comfortable walking on the streets by myself and i'm very sure that many women can relate to this in broad daylight if i am always looking around 360 degrees to be sure that nobody is following me behind me i shouldn't have to live in fear and I shouldn't have to live in fear and I shouldn't have to explain the fact that I live in fear to another man because men will go, oh, we are not all alike, but we do not feel safe. And that is the gospel truth. There's no way to spin it. We are not safe. We do not feel safe because it, you, it's almost like I'm walking alone in the dark or in broad daylight and I look around and there's a guy behind me. I can bet you that my speed, the speed at which I was walking is going to get faster and I'm not the only one. Every woman is like that. We are permanently on the defensive. We are permanently, our guards are permanently up to take care of ourselves. And in, regardless of how much we're taking care of ourselves, how much our guards are up, people still find a way to commit these atrocities against us and as a society we just need to do better we need to provide a means to recovery for people that have been affected and we need to provide a means to for which issues are going to be properly escalated and proper sanctions are going to be dealt out for people that commit these crimes i remember in in one of the episodes that i have recorded i remember um talking about um daughters who walk this part and and i remember sitting with my sister and my mom at the table and we we as women across two different generations were able to recount different experiences across our lives and how those things could have played out differently and how they eventually played out and the impact of those things on our lives so it's not a thing of isolated to one generation it's a thing that has been happening for so long that at this point in time i believe that we need to stand up and actually take proper cause to eradicate the problem or to actually put steps in place to eradicating the issue because i'm really passionate unhappy and bitter about how this has gone passionate or bitter about how this has led to how we live our lives today as women and how we have to protect ourselves constantly and how we have to almost kind of like educate ourselves i can remember that my time i was six or seven my mom had started talking to me about people touching me inappropriately about the appropriate um, means of play with with the opposite sex about how to take care of myself and i can remember asking her that mommy you're not telling my brother any of this you're not telling him any of this and she's like you need to be on guard you need to take care of yourself you need to do xyz to be protected and i'm like I don't need to tell my six-year-old that. I don't need to tell my seven-year-old that. It's not fair and it's not right and it has to stop. And there needs to be something that would snowball the change. And for me, it's putting policies in place. It's ensuring that women are protected at the workplace, protected where they go to learn, protected at home, protected every single place that we are going to be in because we don't feel safe. And that's just the truth. And there's no way to spin it. And there's no way to tell, you can't tell us as a society not to speak our truth. You can't tell us that it's because of how we, how we dress. I listened to a very disturbing video, which was what led to me recording this podcast because I wasn't going to talk about it. 
he said that there are women that talk to men in an inappropriate manner that leads to them being assaulted. How does that even make any sense? How do you reconcile the fact that I said I do not want to be in a relationship with you to you escalating to you, you raping me, gang raping me and assaulting me and, and having sexual misconducts planned, orchestrated against me? Because it really doesn't make any sense. And I feel as a people and as a society, we haven't called the men to standards. We haven't called them to standards of self-control. We haven't called them to standards to bear consequences for the actions that they've perpetrated. And I believe we need to change and we need to do better. I don't have any resolutions, really. And this is not an episode that comes neatly gift-wrapped in, in, in a solution to our problem. But... I believe that in conversations and as we keep having these conversations and we keep talking about it, we need to start mapping a clear path to recovery, a clear path to do better because I want to have children one day and I'm afraid in anticipation for the daughter that I'm going to have and I'm afraid in anticipation for what she's going to, what the things I'm going to have to teach her very early on and the things that she's going to have to face. I remember there was a particular day in Lagos that I got cut called three different times by men in across three different generations. It happened once I left my office to go and get myself lunch and these were older men in their 60s, 70s shouting faith, faith, anti faith, look at us, said eh, you don't want to answer us and I'm like why? And then I go out again of my office building to go and get something to eat, to buy something or to pick up a cake and then it's men in their 40s and in their 30s that are cut calling me and I'm walking home from the junction at the end of the day and it's 20 something year old boy that's pulling my hand as i'm walking into my estate that sister gave us face or time and i'm like why and what that what happened to me eventually was that i started taking the longest route home that guaranteed that i wasn't going to see many people once i came down at the junction to get home from work why did i have to take the longest route home why couldn't i just walk the shortest route that would get me home fastest after a long day at work and you find the victims questioning what they did wrong if you've ever been assaulted, if you've ever had anything negative done against you, I want you to know that it wasn't your fault. You did not do anything wrong. There was nothing you could have done differently. The person that is at fault, that is always at fault, is the person that chooses to commit the act of violence against you, to commit the act of gross misconduct against your body and against your person. I'm going to end with this. And it was something that I read in letters to my daughters by my Angelo. Maya Angelou and she wrote about rape and she was addressing the issue whereby there are people that have come up with research documents that have said that there are people that are just born predisposed to carrying out these activities and it is a nature versus nurture problem and there are research documents to kind of like back it up that the city scans of someone that is a rapist and someone that is not lights up in different ways and she kind of starts one of the letters in that book in that premise and she ends it this way that if a man is about to rape a woman or about to commit any violent act against a woman and he sees five men standing with baseball bats over his head will you go ahead to do it and when we can answer that question we can then answer the reasons why men need to be held accountable for their actions and why they need to be called to a higher standard than they currently are called to i don't know when resolution will come I don't know if we'll ever stop being angry and I don't know if we'll ever stop talking about it because there are days when I go to sleep and all I think is that we're a society that no longer wants change but just want leave services, just want fads that blow around for a particular period, they blow away until another issue sprung up and we don't map a clear-cut direction to change. I guess what I'm saying is in your own little space, Try to do something today that, that speaks change. Try to try to put in place 
something wherever you are in whatever part of the world that means that we are talking about this we are constantly talking about this we're constantly working towards creating a, a world whereby the future generations feel safe i guess that's about it i'm sorry if i sounded angry because i am angry and I hope you are staying as sane as possible because I'm not really staying sane these days. I'm angry about race. I'm angry about rape. I'm angry about a whole lot of things that almost feel like they're out of my control right now. And I hope you are finding a place to, to keep your peace and to kind of stay grounded in the midst of every single thing that is going on and happening to the world at this time. And yeah, until next time. Bye.